0: Here we feature mostly cop and detective shows, plus adventure, plus surprise, you never know, but it's the best from the golden age of radio, we'll guarantee that. For those of you who want non-stop crime buster and detective shows, you can now add 1001 Radio Crime Solvers to your podcast library. That's 1001 Radio Crime Solvers. Brand new for 2023 and growing fast. Enjoy! Hi everyone. The following three Radio Days episodes will feature some great old radio presentations of the Admiral Hornblower adventures. These are based on the Hornblower books from C.S. Forrester. I enjoyed reading these books as a boy, and the stories are well written and acted here. R.N. Harry Towers and his Towers of London Syndicate produced a 52-episode radio series, The Adventures of Captain Horatio Hornblower, in 1952 and 53. The BBC did not want to broadcast it, and it was only aired in the U.S. on CBS, ABC, and Mutual Radio Network. Horatio Hornblower is the fictional naval hero created by C.S. Forrester in 1937, who appears in a number of novels set during the Napoleonic Wars. Hornblower's character was inspired by a variety of naval events and officers, but when you come right down to it, although C.S. Forrester wouldn't admit it, Hornblower has many of the same traits as the British naval hero, Rear Admiral Horatio Nelson who was best known as the British Admiral who lost his right arm and the sight in his right eye in a battle with the French and then kept on returning to combat until he, one-handed and basically one-eyed, had burned sunk or otherwise destroyed Napoleon's Navy He was quite a British war hero This radio series is very well done and the stories are captivating Listen well to this first one and I'm sure you'll be hooked if you want more in the future, send me reviews or email me at 1001 podcast at gmail.com and let me know, and I'll make it a regular feature every month. Thanks for listening to 1001 Radio Days, and enjoy!
1: Call all hands. Beat the quarters. Brother, <laughs> the guns. Stand by this battery! One broadside into it, if you please, Captain Bush. Pointers on target. Blint ready. ready. High eyesore ready. Fire! Presenting Michael Redgrave as C.S. Forrester's Indomitable Man of the Sea... Problems in my seafaring career. But as I look back now, I can remember none graver than that which faced me as I prepared to sail in my frigate in search of the Natividad. I had captured her before in harbor, by night and by surprise. Now I must meet her on the open sea, where her enormous superiority in firing force must give her the advantage. Well, that was bad enough. Now, I had the additional responsibility of a high-born and influential passenger, Lady Barbara Wellesley. When I returned to the ship after calling on the Viceroy at Panama, I summoned Bush, my first lieutenant, to my cabin. Mr. Bush, where's Lady Barbara? She's on the quarter deck, sir. I had the carpenter knock up her hammock chair for her. Huh? I had a bit of awning rigged so as to give her some shake. Mr. Bush, the Lydia is a frigate about to go into action, not an Indiaman with nothing to do but to pamper passengers. Uh, no, sir. If Lady Wellesley takes advantage of her position and forces me to carry her to England, I cannot refuse, but this is no reason why my ship should be turned into a, 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 a boudoir. Uh, no, sir. Confound you, Bush. Can't you say anything but no, sir? Uh, yes, sir. Uh, uh, forgive me, sir, but uh, it would have been highly dangerous for her ladyship to stay ashore with yellow fever spreading as it is. Mm. So she seeks safety by coming aboard a ship which is about to fight an enemy twice its size. Harky, Mr. Bush, no good will come of this. If we win the battle, we shall be censured for exposing her ladyship to danger. If we lose it, oh, we shall... I cannot be... imagine you losing any battle, sir. Not if it was the whole Spanish fleet, instead of just one ship. Yes, when I want your opinion, Mr. Bush, good or otherwise, I will ask for it. How am I going to place my quarter-deck with a woman sitting there? Thing I've just thought is my my shower bath. Under the pump on deck. Look, um, have a screen rigged. See that the crew are warned about dress, too. Um, In this heat, most of them work (laughs) half-naked. Aye, aye, sir. (laughs) She was still on the quarter-deck when I went to attend to the business of getting the ship underway. He he Cable sir. The anchors foul, sir. My mind had to juggle with many factors at once. The drag of the cable on the bows, the pressure of the wind on the driver and topsail set of the tide, the increasing sternway, the amount of cable still to run out. When I sail forward, I must do so dead in line with the anchor, with no slack in the cable, or we might well bring the masts and rigging about our ears. Harder, starboard. Starboard again, sir. Uh, Smartly with the braces now. Now she's checked, Mr. Bush. She's moving forward. Mr. Bush now, hands aloft, set every sail that'll draw. All hands aloft, quickly, take in the cable. Yes, but we mustn't sail up to our anchor with too much speed on it. When I give the order, Mr. Bush, we shall see how well you've drilled your crew. Those sails must come off her like lightning, or if we're not to be taken aback. They will, sir. I swear by the crew. Stand by. Now, take over. Lydia was drifting up to her anchor. Now was the moment when either she would raise it or the maneuver would end in disaster. Every man aboard, save the wildly rushing capstan hands, held his breath. Anchors freeze, sir! Said <laughs> uh-huh. all sail, Mr. Bush. Aye, aye, sir! By heaven, sir! You've shown those Spaniards the finest bit of seamanship they'll ever see in their lives. Kindly attend to your duties, Mr. Bush. Aye, aye, sir. Standing out of the gulf, close hauled, that I was free to communicate to Lady Barbara the news I had heard from the Viceroy. In any case, good manners necessitated that I should address her. I couldn't ignore her presence, however much I might like resent it. She sat in her hammock chair by the taffrail, a servant Hebe, the negress, at her feet. She was in an animated conversation with Gerard, the officer of the watch, and I noted with amusement that Gerard broke off the conversation and moved away as I approached. Acknowledged
2: my bow with a smile. Oh, it's heavenly to be at sea again, Captain. And may I congratulate you on your amazing seamanship in raising your anchor. Uh, <clears throat> also, you've given me no opportunity to tell you how grateful I am to you for taking me away from Panama. I was treated well enough, but well, I was in charge of Her Excellency. An admirable woman, but oh so dull. In Spanish America, women are treated like Mohammedans. And Spanish American food. Oh, <laughs> on
1: the latter point, I agree heartily, Your Ladyship.
2: Well, will you not sit down, Captain?
1: Sit down on my own deck. Oh, thank you, Your Ladyship, but I've never done such a thing in my life. If you'll forgive me, I prefer to stand. I um, <clears throat> I came to give you good news. Uh, your brother, Sir Arthur, has won a great victory over the French in Portugal.
2: Oh, a great victory? Oh, that is very good news. I've always been proud of Arthur, and it makes me prouder still.
1: Well, I am happy to be the first to congratulate his sister.
2: Oh, Captain, just look at that setting sun. One almost expects to hear a hiss as it sinks into the sea.
1: Yes, I endeavor never to miss the sunset in these waters, your ladyship. It's a a daily miracle. Ah, beautiful. Exquisite. I hope your ladyship was well provided for during my absence ashore. If there's anything further that lies within my power... Well,
2: there's just one thing, Captain, that I should like to ask as a favor. What is that? That is that you do not call me your ladyship me, Lady Barbara, if you will.
1: Certainly, uh, <clears throat> Lady Barbara.
2: <clears throat> and if Lady Barbara doesn't come easily to you and you wish to attract my attention, you can always say... Uh, <clears throat> <clears throat> oh, Captain, I'm so sorry. Please accept my apologies. I realize now that to mock you was quite unforgivable.
1: There is nothing to forgive, ma'am. And now, if you will forgive me in your turn, I must attend to my duties. Oh,
2: one moment, please. Captain... I know that you've much on your mind. I know that before you sail for home, you must fight the Natividad. Will you tell me, what are your prospects in that battle?
1: Well, the Natividad, ma'am, is a two-decker with 50 guns against my 36. She is commanded by Vice Admiral de Crespo, a ruthless and bloodthirsty man who will never surrender. Whatever his faults, he's no coward. But against his force, I have perhaps a little experience. Capable and loyal officers and a very well-trained crew.
2: And they are English. That counts for much. You may be frank with me, Captain. What will happen if we should lose?
1: If I or my crew are taken alive, we shall be hanged or tortured. El Supremo will show no mercy to us for having turned against him. And you... uh, It shall be my last care to see that you do not fall into the hands of De Crespo uh, alive.
2: Thank you, Captain. But you're not to worry about me, nor to allow my presence to influence you. Should it come to the worst, I too am English and a Wellesley. I know how to die.
1: Mr. Bush. Uh, aye, aye, sir. Hands to shorten, sir. Lady Farmer, uh, you, you ought to be below, I'm
2: afraid we're going to have a stiff gale. Oh, no, Captain. This is too delicious after the heat.
1: It's your health, Mel, about which I'm anxious.
2: If salt water was harmful, sailors would die young. Oh,
1: well, it's really... Sail <laughs> 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 out! Top, so. Report any activity. All right, sir. She's seen us, sir. She's wearing out on port deck, heading up the wind of us, sir. Oh, is she unusual for a Spanish ship to face a Viking challenge? Of course, she's not a Spanish ship now. You shan't get the weather gauge of me, whatever happens. And the voice is there. What you all. The keep us near the wind, as you alive. Mr. Bush, beat the quarters, if you please, and clear for action. With you and stay in the cockpit until the action is over. No, no, not the cockpit. We'll leave that for the wounded. Go to the cable tier. Captain! I have no time to discuss the matter, ma'am. Mr. Clay, conduct her ladyship to to the cable tier. See if she is safe before you leave her. Those are my orders, Mr. (laughs) Clay. Mr. Bush's incessant drilling of the crew showed its value now. Every man knew his job and did it swiftly and well. The decks were soused with water and strewn with sand. The bulkheads were knocked away. The fire parties took their places at the pumps. The boys ran with cartridges for the guns. And down below, the acting surgeon was dragging the midshipman's chests together in the cockpit to make an operating table. The more this sea gets up, the better, sir. The genital won't be able to open a lower gun ports. No. I'll probably have two reefs taken in those topsails. Aye, aye, sir. Stop the... In the top, sir. Uh, Excuse me, sir. With all this spray breaking aboard, do you think we can rely on the flint triggers for the guns? Or shall we have the slow matches lit at the tubs? Yeah, better like the matches in impressed. Wheel there. Steer a uh-huh. small blaster. Both what what well, ships are approaching each other at an angle. Steer so that when we meet, our ship has the wind of the other. Do you understand? Uh-huh. Aye, aye, sir. Look, sir, there's a puff of smoke. She's open fire. Man's a fool to waste powder and shot at such range. Never forget, Mr. Bush, a first broadside discharge in close quarters with guns carefully loaded. by crews with time to think is worth ten under any other circumstances. Yes, sir. we we'll would be passing mighty close, sir. If we both stay on this course, in fact, we'll meet bow to bow. No telling who had the weather gauge. That was closer. Here comes another... that got us. Two men down at number four gun, sir. Christmas! We're going to shave her clothes? Stand by, Mr. Raymond. Fire as your guns bear. Wheel her up. Watch the helmet, Linda. Over here, sir. Oh. Now, hold her as she comes on. In fear of some fatal error was gone. I stared across the tossing sea at the Natividad. I could see the Crespo up on the poop. The fellow actually had the insolence to wave verily at me. we had the advantage from our maneuver, two broadsides into it at close range, with only one shot in reply. But now we had to pay for it. I saw the rudder of our opponent kick over, and the next moment the two decker had swung round and was hurtling down upon us. go! We shall have a broadside from her, too. Fire! Stop your events and the smoke tears. Fire as you will. The Crespo was evidently unable to trust his crew to fire independently. and was working them to the word of command. He was doing it well, too. At intervals, as the sea permitted, her lower deck ports were opening like clockwork, and her big 24-pounders were vomiting flame and smoke. What work this sir? Yes. Mr. Bush, half the dead carried away from the guns. The crews cannot work properly. The men had better lie on the deck and drag them. It's death to stand in that iron hail. And uh, Mr. Bush? Superior force is too great for us to continue this close work. We shall have to use cunning if we are to survive. Sir. It's a pity, sir, but I'm afraid. you're right. Answer the voices. Now, Mr. Bush, t- back the main topsail a trifle to take way off us. And let the jib get uh, ahead. Uh, aye, aye Isher. Now, tack, ship, and run across our stern. Abroadside, Mr. Gerard. Aye, Isher. Now, attack again. Come on, little there. Hey, back across <laughs> our stern. Your guns, Mr. A. Damn, my heart. Glory. Uh, Two broadside uh, into her stern. She's too uh, big uh, and chunky to deck about like us, sir. Yes. Save the satisfaction for the end. She's coming back at us. I, I know oh, she is, sir. And uh, her uh, lower gun ports are open as well this time. i going to take some real punishment now. There's De the Crispo, Drilling like a knife. I hope he was killed, sir, and in our broadsides. Here she comes. Oh, what are about to receive? Sir. Let me get you below, sir. Oh, you're, you're covered with blood. Get with your word, Pastor. It's not my blood. Now clear this mess or we're lost. The missile has carried away the main to gallon, mast with it. Axe to go! Hey! Axe, Axe is here! Into us and I felt the Lydia leap and twist like something human as the great shots plunged into her vitals. A man wielding his axe near me suddenly vanished in a red mass. I picked up his axe and attacked the tangled wreckage myself. Suddenly I felt the ship lurch and swing. She was free of the wreckage. Most of the men who had been on the quarterdeck with me were dead. Marines, seamen, officers was wearing round again, and I forced my mind to concentrate on the problem of how I could maneuver my crippled ship and continue the fight. Stand the braces. Mr. Bush, we'll try and bring her into the wind. We'll wear uh, out of starboard. sir. Stand to your guns, men. Fire, sir. Fire, The ship which is ready for action again first will win this battle. Aye, aye, sir. I'll get that... Uh, oh. You're hurt. Oh, uh, it's funny about sir. The block caught me oh. uh, uh, I'll tidy it up for now. Are you all right, sir? Well, Heaven's sake don't stand there asking questions like a fool. I'm standing, aren't I? Get this deck cleared up so we can move, back. Lady Barbara, who gave you permission to come on deck? My orders were for you to stay below. The deck is no place for you.
2: I can see that, Captain. I've no intention of obstructing you. I propose to lock myself in my cabin. <laughs>
1: oh, your cabin? So
2: yes. Sir. Please allow us to go to my cabin, sir.
1: <laughs> there is no cabin left for you, ma'am, I suggest. Four broadsides of 24 pounds soft from an exhibit that have passed through your cabin, ma'am. And what is left of it wouldn't shelter a fly. Oh, dear. We've much to do to make our ship ready to fight again.
2: I... Very well, Captain. But your coat is torn, sir. You are bloody. Can I help you at all?
1: Yes, ma'am. You can help me and all of us by going back to the cable here.
2: I offer my humble apologies, Captain.
1: One more yes. Mr. Bush, you will yes. no doubt appreciate the situation. Uh, yes, sir. The yes. a jury must and get back into battle as soon as possible. And impress on the men, Mr. Bush, that their lives and liberty depend upon speed first ship ready for action is going to win this battle. Horatio Hornblower, starring Michael Redgrave, is based on the novels by C.S. Forrester. Music composed and conducted by Sidney Torch. Produced by Harry Allen Towers. Indomitable Man of the Sea, Horatio Hornblower. that terrible day when the probability of death and defeat stared me in the face but I can close my eyes even now and feel again that exhaustion and faintness that I dared not let any man see it was a nightmare pause in a nightmare battle two partially disabled ships drifting rapidly apart and each with no purpose than to patch its wounds and return to destroy the other. I can see that the tibbit had a now, the score's cleared, sir. How does she bear? About two points on the starboard beam, sir. Ah, there. oh too. Looks a bit lopsided without her foremost. Hmm. She mm. seems to have made no attempt as yet to rig a new one. Well, as soon as we can carry it and sail aft, so as we can beat the wind over, we'll have it at our mercy. We must try and do it before nightfall, Mr. Bush. Or we may lose it altogether in the dark. And uh, now what's this? It's the funeral party, sir. Oh. They're already going out there. Uh, How many? Fourteen, sir. Very well. Mr. Bush, have all hands stop work, but remain where they are. I intend no disrespect to the dead, but this ceremony must be swift or the living may be endangered. Aye, aye, sir. We therefore commit their bodies to the deep. Under the bottom and seems to be holding. I've been able to release all but twenty men from the pumps. Sure Good. Everything ready now for hoisting the mast. All ready, sir. Right. Now, Mister Bush, it is important that nobody should haul or carry out any movement except by orders. I shall try to use the pitching of the ship to help in the raising of the mast. And if any man acts without my orders, I'll have him flogged. Aye, aye, sir. Hands to the wingless. Mister Jellicoe, attend to those swings. Aye, aye, sir. Mister Galbraith. Into the missile cage, right? you never do it. The ropes will slip off the masthead. If it jerks away from that stump, it'll sweep the deck like a broadside. You him. trust the old man. He knows what he's doing, old. Oh, if he know. does. Where'd oh. you oh. go there? Right. Oh, hoist away there. Oh, he's oh. 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 Easy! A mast hoisting. Here. Yeah. Yeah, see that. Clever the old man is. As the bows went up, so he ups the master. Bit. Then when the bows dropped, he lays off. Oh, nice time that is. Yeah, he'd better not make no mistakes, though. He won't make no mistakes. I've never seen him make one. Yet. Oh, then he looked tired, though. He wore up. dangerous struggle with the master's over, and it stood vertical at last, while the men fished it firmly to the stump of the old mizzen, I was sick with weariness. I'd been on my quarter deck for over eight hours with neither rest nor food, and through the stress and labor of the battle. I was beginning to find it difficult to concentrate upon anything, so that Bush had spoken twice before I could force myself to listen said, sir, that it's a magnificent piece of work, if you'll allow me to say so, sir. Um, Shall I set up the topmast and yards now, sir? I fear it'll be useless to attempt to carry any canvas in this wind and streams to bush. And the exhibit is barely in sight now. Uh, Just a smudge on the horizon, sir. Aye. Uh, There's not much chance of renewing the action till the wind takes off of it. Yes, I cannot imagine the Admiralty accepting that statement in a report. But it's true enough, sir we are badly knocked about, and the weather's too rough to carry on the fight. Nevertheless, the report will be received with pitying smiles, Mr. Bush. The excuse is too old, like the uncharted rock which always causes a wreck. The is 10,000 miles away, and they can't judge the strength of this storm from there. If even though I should be accused of cowardice, there's nothing I can do until the weather moderates. No, sir, there's not. But in that case, sir, why not take a rest? You look mortally tired, sir. Indeed you do. Let me send and have a berth screened off for you in the wardroom. Little sticks, Mr. Bush. You who need a rest, dismiss the starboard watch and go below and turn in. While the enemy is in sight, I shall stay on deck. But, sir, I think... I gave uh, you an order, Mr. Bush. Aye, aye, sir. Good fellow, Bush, but uh, a fool. A sentimental fool. He'd treat me like an old woman, if I'd let him. Hmm. Yes, so I wonder how Lady Barbara is getting on that. Oh, confounded. He has that idiot of the steward now. Can't anybody leave me alone? Well, Paul Will, what do you want? Well, I've been to attend to the lady, sir. I've screened off a bit of the Orlop for her, sir. The Orlop? But the wounded are in there. Well, they're mostly quiet now, sir. No. Well, I couldn't leave them. a cable tear. Oh. I've stung the hammock for her. She's <laughs> She nicked into it like a bird, sir. <laughs> Took a bit of grub, too, in her glass of wine she did. Oh, very good, Paul Wheel. Well, now it stands. The reason, sir, a frigate in the sea like this and a battle like what we've had is, well, it's a bit rough on an high-born lady. Just confine yourself to facts and keep your opinions to yourself, Paul Wheel. The high-born lady joined this ship of her own free will, knowing that she was about to go into action. Aye, aye, sir. Now, uh, about you, sir... Here's some dry clothes in your chest in the storeroom. <laughs> well, I'm afraid the last broadside done for everything in your cabin. But I don't want any dry clothes. Uh, well, of course you don't, sir. No, I wouldn't suggest it, except in... Well, if it takes cold, sir, you won't be fit when it up with the nativity. Eh? Will you change up here, sir, or come below? Uh, <clears throat> now, now, look. If I just lash this here chair to the rail, sir, you could sit there when you've changed and have this biscuit and rum, couldn't you, sir? Uh, and this here boat cloak will keep some of the spray off here. But he won't have to leave the deck. I will. Are you presuming to give me orders? Orders, sir? Me? <laughs> I hope someone knows my place, sir. Hmm. It's all right, Mr. Bush, sir. You can turn in now. <laughs> Captain's in his chair and sleeping like a baby, sir. <laughs> <laughs> heavens i must have dozed off mm. what time is it i wonder yeah. well, impossible it's after midnight as black as the earl of hell's riding boots hmm Feels to me as though the weather's improving let's have a look at the binnacle ah mr bush Wind shifting southerly and moderated sir uh, wish there's a bit of starlight even i ah, can't see a thing that Dividad might be 20 miles away or only 200 yards. Yes, I doubt she's close. She was going away to leeward rapidly when we lost to her. you can't have carried out all the repairs she'll need in this weather. What do you think she'll do, sir? Mm, that fellow Crespo, Command commands is no fool. I believe he'll try to avoid us until he can get into the Gulf of Fonseca and refit. He'd like us to follow him into the Gulf so he'd have the advantage of the shore batteries as well. But he can't make much sail in his crippled condition, sir. But even if he could, the wind is wrong for getting to the gulf. I had observed that fact, Mr. Bush. I believe he'll reach far out to sea and crawl southwards as far as he can. I shall return to my chair until daylight and attempt to work out what it's likely to be his position at dawn. Aye, aye, sir. Morley sir. The is going down fast, sir, and the wind's taken off. Don will be up in 10 minutes. Yes, we'll make sail, if you please, Mr. Bush. Here is the course you were to sail. But as I gave the course, I knew that it was sheer guesswork. Every yard I sailed might be away from the Trinidad while she hurried to safety. My heart was heavy with misgiving, for I knew that if I had failed, there would be many who would attribute that failure to incompetence or cowardice. I paced the quarterdeck with every appearance of unconcern Determined not to allow anyone to guess at the doubts and fears which tormented me When the light should be sufficient for the masthead lookout to scan the horizon I might be justified or ruined Yet even my resolution to remain calm must have wavered When my gloomy thoughts were pierced by a wild cry from aloft We found her, sir! We found her! You are right again, sir. Uh-huh. Look, sir. You can see her from here with the glass. Dead ahead. Yeah. Ah. ah, she's coming round, sir. She's running away. Yes, Crespo wishes to postpone action. He prefers discretion to heroics, and quite rightly, Mr. Bush. However, set every stitch we can carry, send the hands to breakfast. If we engage, there's no telling when they'll eat again, if ever. Aye, aye, sir. Hands to breakfast. Hands to breakfast. Hands to breakfast. We're gaining, sir. She'll not get away this time. We'll blow her right out of the water. Never underestimate your opponent, Mr. Bush. Those 24 pounds of hers are heavy metal. We have a ship which is leaking like a sieve. Has a makeshift rig and is 64 men short. And our firing force is far inferior to hers. You think the wind's going to hold, sir? Mm. Seems to me as if the sun's swallowing it. Oh, it's getting mighty hot, too. It'll be just our luck to lose the wind now. I can't trim it anymore. more. Hi! You're at the wheel. Oh, here sure. small blast, year. I can't, sir, begging your pardon. There ain't enough wind. Damn it, he's right. The wind's gone, sir. And over that sky. It's like brass. but in that not dead calm and well out of range. We will tow with the boats. Have the launch and cutter hoisted out. Boats away! Cutter screw! crew! Them men. You've got a hard task, but it must be done. You've got to pull. Pull till your muscles crack and your hands burst. Now get your clothes off and pull naked. I'll have you relieved in an hour. Now, pull. All together give way. Look at that, Mr. Jarrett. That puffer stroke from the TV tag. Yes, she carried two long 18s aft. We're going to run the gauntlet of those for the next hour. That was nearer, about 50 yards of our starboard quarter. Mr. Gerard, ask Mr. Marsh to see what he can do with the long nine on our forecastle. Aye, sir. I know it's not much use, but it'll cheer the men to feel that we're replying. Aye, sir. He's ready and waiting. Very good, Mr. Marsh. Show them some shooting. Stand by, gun crew. Give me the lanyard. Mr. Marsh. Right alongside her. Hello. What's she up to now, sir? The boat's pulling her bows round. Yes, Mr. Bush. We shall now have 25 guns trained on us instead of two. She's positioning for a broadside. We shall have some pebbles about our ears there, long lads. Let's show them that Englishmen don't care. Not more than two hits, <laughs> Mr. Galbraith. At that main gallant stage, twice directly. Aye, sir. Mr. Bush, at what distance would you would you say she is now? Oh, three parts of a mile, I should say, sir. Uh, so I think. I, I fear our carronades will not be effective at that distance. Relieve the boat's screws and see if fresh men can pull us nearer. I, I it was intolerably hot. The smell of pitch from the vaccines the bitter tang of powder and the smell of the blood from the wounded combined with my fatigue and anxiety to make me feel deathly sick i feared to disgrace myself by being sick in front of the men they too no longer joked at the guns they were beginning to sulk under the punishment it was a bad sign sullivan uh, sure uh, yes sullivan you your fiddle i sir. i have that. So that when we'll have a horn fight Benskin, Hall, McAvoy, a hornpipe for me to you, and a guinea for the man that does his best. <laughs> on my words, Mr. Gerald, this will be a tale told and retold in years to come. How Captain Hornblower had his ship towed into action with hornpipes being danced on her main deck. Of them. Sir, the captain Hornblower, sir. Mr. Howell sent me. Yes, well. Starboard side chain pump knocked all to pieces. Well, my boy. Well, he's rigging another one, sir. But it'll be an hour before it works. He told me to tell you the water's gaining a little, sir. Well, very well. Please, sir. There was fourteen men all knocked to smash at the pump. Horrible, sir. I see one man sir. Tell no boy. I'm back to Mr. Howell and tell him captain assured him he will do his best. Oh, I see. There's too much smoke to see, properly. but it's my belief we've hit her hard, sir. Confound this smoke. It's like being in a fog. Ah, Crystal, what is it? I think I can feel a very light air blowing. Mm, yes, I believe there is. Ah, look at that. Look, the smoke's blowing away, sir. Ooh, just look at the divvy Oh, she's a wreck. There's only others in most standing rigging all round her like a net. And look at that great hole in her side. The streak on board slatted into one there. She's low in the water, but she's still fighting, by heaven. Oh, we'll be on her soon. The closer we are, the quicker we'll finish it. And stand by for the help orders. Oh, Robert Geronet, load with great shots. Look, look at them croupes on the folks. They're going to try and board us. Hell, here they is based on the novels by C.S. Forrester. Music composed and conducted by Sidney Torch. Produced by Harry Allen Towers.
0: Thanks for joining us for 1001 Radio Days, your home for Golden Age Radio, when radio was king. If you enjoyed tonight's show, please do take a moment and send us a review. We always appreciate reviews, and they help new listeners find us. Until next time, this is your host, John Hagedorn. Stay safe, and we'll be back soon at 1001 Radio Days. And one note, don't forget to pick up 1001 Radio Crime Solvers. That's 1001 Radio Crime Solvers. This is your host, John Hagedorn, and we'll be back soon.